Okay, morning, morning. Yes, it can come a bit better. Sure. Is it the cold weather that's making you stiff? <laughs> right. Okay. Let's um, let's get into this message. I want to kick off. Um, anyway, it's it's good to see you. I know that this, we're busy with this message on breaking free from the spirit of poverty. Right. Breaking free from the spirit of poverty. And I have a subtitle, which is called The Doctrine of Christ. Okay. And so we have been, I think over the last couple of weeks, emphasizing the fact that you need to know God as your Father. And the spirit of the father is the one that breaks, you know, the, the, the fear in the heart. Because poverty um, puts the physical poverty that you experience, forces itself into you, right? In your way of thinking. Now, I know you've heard that many times. Uh, amen? You've heard that many times. But sometimes you need to say something over and over until the penny drops. Until the light goes on. Until you say, no, I, I am now hearing what you are saying. Okay? Because if you hear the, the title called Breaking Free from the Spirit of Poverty, then, you, then your mind firstly goes to a demon, right? Outside of you that that you want to rebuke and set yourself free from. But when I use the word spirit, and it can be used in that way, um, when I use the word spirit, I'm talking about how it has internalized itself. It has gone to the way that you think, um, your habits, your behavior, your attitude, your response to life, right? It has now... Um, influenced you internally and so it becomes the way we respond because we have been conditioned by our physical circumstances our physical circumstances that was um, in that condition of poverty then we there was a lack there wasn't enough um, where are we going to get it um, let's make it work until the end and so on so it develops a beggarly mindset, right? A mindset that, you know, we would um, want to ask or be needy or always see a lack. And that's where we also come with the scarcity mindset. So, and the scarcity mindset is where we constantly see that there's not enough and there's no way of getting it. And, and so... When we talk about coming to know God as your Father, we are saying shift your focus. Shift your focus away from there is not enough to there is a Father that can give, that can meet my need. Amen? Right? So, if we are saying break free from the spirit of poverty, by now you should click that I am actually trying to break free from the way I think. Right? I'm trying to break free from the way I behave um, when there is a situation. 
I'm trying to break free from the attitude, the poor self-esteem, the way I view myself, right? And the way poverty, depending on the type of poverty that you've experienced, how it has affected you, right? And so you're trying to break free from that. Now, um, if, we, if we are going to break through, break through in this or break free, it, it means that we have to start developing a different mindset, okay? a different way of thinking. And unless you get that, that picture or that understanding, right, then you might not be busy with the right activity that helps you break free. Okay? Are you all with me on that? So in other words, when you're used to talking in a certain way, don't, don't talk like that anymore. Change the speech. Right? Change the way you view things. That when you look at your bank account or when you look at things and say, no, it's not there. Right? Um, there's not enough Change that. What are you doing to change that? Right? Are you all with me? So, you've got to understand what you've got to be laboring in to break free. Now, to be honest, many, many people are not willing for that, willing to go and do that. Okay? It's much easier to, it's much easier to go to your room, lie on the bed, Put the blanket over you and close your eyes and try and sleep or take a sleeping tablet or, or just lie, lie on the bed with the blanket over you and cry. There's not enough. Jesus, help me. You understand? It's easy to do that because we've been trained. It's easy to give in. Right? Than to build and, and develop a certain way of thinking. Um, it's, it's sometimes harder because it's life is tough. Right? And you want, to, you want to break out, but you're not willing for that effort that needs to be put in to change the way that you think. Right? Because your emotions follow the way you think. Right? That, that's, that's how it works. Emotions follow the way you think. A simple example is, you could be happy, laughing, and then all of a sudden you see that brother that hurt you and you're upset. He just came into your mind and now my day is spoiled. Your emotions followed the thought. Right? You've you got to understand that emotions follow the way you think. The way you think determines the way you feel about something or a situation. Okay? Now, Jesus showed us clearly that, <coughs> excuse me, that your situation does not have to determine how you feel because he slept in the storm. At rest, while the disciples are going crazy. Right? But he's sleeping. In other words, he's giving you evidence, proof, that it's not your physical circumstances 
that should determine how you feel. It's how strong you are on the inside. It's how much you've been built into, um, into that rest and position and way of thinking and so on. And so what many times this happens is we allow our circumstances, we agree with it. Right? We agree that there's not enough. And then we talk in agreement. Right? And so and that is not what we should be doing. We should be building ourselves in the right mindset. So today, I don't so much want to focus on, on poverty and the way we think and the way we feel and our poor self-image and so on. And, you know, because I've been... I've been hearing through the grapevine. You know that song? I heard it through the grapevine. Okay. That, you know that the message is challenging us deeply, right? Uh, Making us uh, see things that were actually hidden and we didn't know we thought in a certain way. But I, I want to move now to actually... The way we should think. Okay? So tell the person next to you, praise the year. <laughs> okay? I'm tired of him exposing my thoughts. Okay? So, in actual fact, the way you think can actually be your freedom or the prison you live in. It's the way you think that is really your prison. Right? And that's why to step out of it, you have to change. So, and in this, in this, off, uh, not often, but the spirit of poverty, its attitude and so on, it really comes down to this thing that we are living like orphans. Right? Now, I have said this before, and I will say it again. Um, even if you have a biological father, you, you have a father, and let's say he's a very good father, you still might not know God as your father. And even if you have a spiritual father, you still might not know God as your father. Right? Because <clears throat> there are things that God as father can do that a natural father just cannot do. Or a spiritual father. God is a father on his own, right? And so we need to come to understand God as father. But to understand God as father, I must introduce you to the doctrine of Christ. Okay? That's why it's called today the subtitle is the doctrine of Christ. Right? Now, our father is not affected by poverty. It doesn't do anything to him. It's under his feet, right? And so, let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. First John chapter 2. Verses 21 to 24. Is it there? 
Okay. So, it says here, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? So, he is now telling you, he is now explaining the previous verse. No lie, I told you the truth, no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? Okay? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Right? So, uh, whosoever denies the Son, okay, just go, uh, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So if we go back to the previous verse, let's just go. Verses 22. Who is a liar? He that denies that Jesus is the Christ. What does that basically, what does that mean to, to not acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ? You are basically saying that God cannot dwell in flesh. Christ is God. Jesus is the man. And it's God living in man, flesh. Right? Because it said, we shall call his name what? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Okay? And so, when we say that Jesus, uh, he that denies that Jesus is the Christ, then we, because when we see Jesus, we see the flesh, the man. Okay? To help you a little bit, go just imagine you are living in the days when Jesus was alive in the earth in flesh, right? And so let's take for example, Smitty came, and came to me. And, uh, let's just use it as an example. Smitty was Jesus Christ, and Smitty comes to me and he says, um, "I am God in flesh." I say, "You crazy." If Smithy said, I am the Messiah, because we've been waiting for the Messiah, we've been waiting for the Christ to come. Who, who will the Christ be? The book of Isaiah said, we shall call his name Emmanuel. Right? Isaiah said, Isaiah said, behold, a virgin shall conceive and be with a child. Right? Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born and a son is given. So, Isaiah prophesied and spoke about somebody that would come and everybody knew that this person would be Emmanuel and Emmanuel meant God is with us. God is in the flesh. To deny that Jesus is the Christ is to deny that God actually came in the flesh. Are you with me? And if you deny, and if you cannot accept that God came in flesh, then you are automatically also saying that God actually cannot live in me. Because if God came in flesh, it meant that God can dwell in flesh. Are you all with me? Okay? 
Let's read. He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Okay? So, in the, in the Father and the Son, there is an understanding of Christ. So, to, to, to accept that Jesus is the Christ is also to accept, okay, who is Christ? Christ is where the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Right? And the fullness of the Godhead is where the Father and the Son is. What did Jesus say? The Father is in me, and I am in the Father, and we are all one. But then he said in John chapter 17, I'm going somewhere, but you can't come with me. But where I'm going, you cannot come now. Give me just a little bit, a little while. I am not with you. And then I will leave you. And when I leave you, I'll leave you just for a little while. But then I'll come back to you. And then when I come back to you, I'll take you to where I am. So that where I am, you are also. I am going to the Father. I want that as I am in, as I am in the Father, and the Father in me, so you should be in me, and me in you, and we in the Father, and the Father in you. So, so basically the Father and the Son is in us, and we are in Him. Are you with me? So, the doctrine of Christ introduces you to the Father-Son relationship. Right? And so that's why Jesus said, the works that I do is not me that does it, but my Father that does it. Okay? You need to have the doctrine of Christ so that you can understand some things that Jesus says that only from the perspective of a son who is in relationship to a father is able to say it. And if you want to understand what he is saying, you need to understand this relationship of father and son. Right? The doctrine of Christ. But let's read on. So, uh, the Antichrist spirit then is one that denies that possibility of the Father and the Son and we and the Father. That denies the possibility that God could be in flesh, which is what the Jews struggled with. In the day that Jesus was alive, when he said, I am a son, they struggled with that and they said, when you say you're a son, you're making yourself equal to God. They were like having a battle with this issue that Jesus is saying he's a son. And even today, there will be people who will struggle with this idea that you say you are a son of God. Even today, you will have someone that will struggle with that. God can't be my father. He's my God, not my father. You may take it for granted what you understand. But there are people who will fight you for that understanding. Against that understanding. Right? Okay? But that is an antichrist spirit because that spirit is saying it's impossible for God to dwell in flesh. But the book of Timothy says, Great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. Jesus Christ. Is the mystery of godliness exposed, revealed. God is in flesh. Manifested for all of us to see. 
And the only begotten son, he has declared him, brought him out for all of us to see. Are you, you, are you with me? Right? The doctrine of Christ. Whosoever denies the son, the same as not the father. Notice the word, not just deny Jesus. Deny the son. Right? The same as not the father. Okay? But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father. He who acknowledges the Son, he has the Father also. Right? Verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So you are not only continuing in the Son, but also in the Father. Okay? I need to establish this. Okay? I need to establish this. Okay? Because you're going to say, oh, what does that have to do with poverty? What does that have to do with uh, my need and my lack in the way I think and the beggarly attitude that I have and the struggle with these things? What is it? We're going to get there. Just trust me, we're going to get there. You're going to see in the end. So don't sit and think, oh, this is not important. No, 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 no. It's important because I need to establish, you need to understand what the doctrine of Christ is. Okay? Let's read another one. Second, Second John chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 7 to 10. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Okay? Flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. If you struggle with the idea that God can live in flesh, if He could do it in Jesus Christ, He can do it in you. He can dwell inside of you. He can live inside of you. You can become His dwelling place, His temple, His home. Right? In that sense, you can never be forsaken. Because I'm always in you. Right? Next verse. Look to yourselves that we, that we lose not those things which we have wrote or worked, but that we receive a full reward. Next one. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ he has both the Father and the Son. Did Jesus achieve what He said? 
in John chapter 17. That you may be where I am. Where am I? In the Father. The Father in me. And we are in each other. We are one. But I will be in you. And you will be in me. And we will be in the Father. And the Father in us. And we will be one. Did he do it? He did it. So don't wait for your mansion. You are the mansion. Because he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And that word mansion means dwelling, abode. And then just a little later on in the chapter, he said, I am my father. We will come and make our mansion with you. I'm using the word mansion because in the, in the English they translated it. They used the same Greek word early in the chapter to say, in my father's house are many mansions. And then a little later down the chapter, instead of using the word mansion, they used the word abode. But they could have also said, we will make our mansion with you. So do you have the father and the son? So, you've been brought into a father-son relationship. Are you with me? Okay. So, the, what is the doctrine of Christ? So, the doctrine of Christ is not only when you talk about Jesus. It's when you also talk about the Father. Are you with me? Yes. Right? And so, um, this... This relationship that Jesus came to reveal to us. So when Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ. He was saying, here is the Father and the Son. And when you walk in that, then you are walking in sonship. You are the Son of the living God. Alright? That means that you, you have access you know, um, yesterday, while I was preparing, I was like getting into this whole thing of dealing with the spiritual poverty, which is a very... I'm looking forward to sharing that with you um, the next time I'm going to minister. Because, you know, I want to move to that side. But how, how Christ dealt with lack within our spiritual walk. Right? Okay. But there is a father-son. So tell the person next to you, the doctrine of Christ is a father and son relationship. Okay. Which means that you cannot understand certain things that Jesus said unless you understand it from the place, the relationship that he is saying it from. Right? The father and the son. Right? Except you become like a little child. Right? You shall not enter the kingdom. So, he did not say except you become childish. He said become like a child. Because another scripture says, When I was a child, I put away child. But now that I have grown, I put away childish things. We are not put... We're not dealing with the childish thought behavior. He's talking about when I was a child. Okay? So, 
except you become like a child. That's like confusing, you know. You're asking me to grow, mature, become a son. And then you are saying, but you need to become like a child, right? So in actual fact, becoming like a child is how you grow into a mature son. You say you need to become like a child. What does a child do? A child shows you simply how to trust. Right? How to trust. For them, for them, there are certain things that they don't worry about. Okay? Unless, you, unless you've been, unless you've had extreme poverty. Right? Unless you've had extreme poverty and... And, you know, you've been forced into that way of thinking, oh, there's not enough, you know, and so your children also develop, and so they also start worrying about these things. And then in some extreme cases, children actually go work because there's nothing at home, you know. So in, in those cases, it's different. But in a, in a natural family where everything is working as the way it should, right, the children are not saying, you know, What's tomorrow morning? What are we eating? Is there food? You know, they're not thinking like it. They, they, as when Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow takes care of itself. Children don't worry about tomorrow. Because they know tomorrow is taken care of. Right? They know who's paying the bills, who's putting what on table. And that's why sometimes they don't worry about the money, the, the money that you spend. And that's why sometimes they waste what you buy for them because I didn't buy it. But so what? So what if it's broken? I paid for it. <laughs> you don't understand the money that went into it. Right? So what if I failed my exam? I don't care. No, I pay for it. You don't understand the money that gets into it. But you see, because you're not worried about such things. Because you don't understand. But when you work for it, then you're like, then you'll start thinking about it. Right? But a child does not think about such things. So except you become like a child, you cannot experience, when, you, when it says enter the kingdom, it's talking about experience a life that has dominion in it. It's not saying you are not saved. It's actually talking about experiencing the kingdom of God in your life. In other words, you can enter in and, and exit it in the experience side. Are you all with me? A simple example is when, is when Peter walked on water. That's why the kingdom of God is not physical. It's, it's spiritual. It's invisible. Right? When Peter walked on water, there was no physical kingdom there. Right? But there was an invisible dominion over the storm. Over the water. Invisible. And when he stepped out of the boat, he entered into the kingdom. But then, when he looked at the storm, fear entered his heart. What happened to him? He exited the kingdom and all of a sudden he started to sink into the water. And the natural that was subdued by the kingdom, now the natural is taking dominion over him. So you enter and exit, and Jesus saying, except you become like a child. But in your child 
becoming, you are actually maturing. Are you with me? You understand? Unless you were a son, you could not understand the statement. Oh, it takes me great privilege to say I can talk about it. I'm a son. <laughs> I can explain it to you because I've experienced it. I've lived in the... You know, so, so the doctrine of Christ, the father and son relationship. Right? Are you with me? Are you all with me? So let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Oh, sorry, verse 25. Matthew chapter 11 and verses 25. Okay. Maybe we should just read verse 28 quickly. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Well-known scripture... Come unto me, all who you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, do you know that scripture? Yes. But to really understand it, you must understand the Father and the Son. You must understand who is saying it. Who is saying it? A son. A son is, is revealing to us, right, how we should walk. So let's go to now verse 25. Now many times what we do is we don't read the pretext or the protext and then we make it out of context. And so then we don't have the proper understanding of the scripture. Right? And so we take the scripture and pull it out from its pretext, meaning the, the verses before, the protext, verses after, and so on. And so then we lose really the meaning of the verse. Okay? That's why sometimes die is what you trek. You understand? Go read the pretext and the text after, right? Okay, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father. See the father and son relationship? Can you see it? Father and son. I thank thee, O God. No, he spoke Father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. Father. Right? His mind was um, so, if I can use the word, infected by this, this mindset of father. Right? Taken over. Um, like leaven that takes over the lump. This mind was so, of his, was so trained and developed into this father-son relationship. Lord of heaven and earth. Alright? So, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Okay? Next verse. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Okay, verse. 
all things are delivered unto me of my father. Who's he? He's the son. Right? Unto me of my father. And no man knows the son but the father. Okay? Neither knows any man the father except the son. And he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. So the son came to give us an understanding of the father. To understand the father, I must know the son. But the son, because he wants to reveal to me the father, will explain to me this relationship of father and son. He will explain it to me. Right? Reveal knowledge. Right? The knowledge of the Father. Okay? So, in other words, he says, So when I am, I the Son am revealed to you, in me you will also come to know the Father. Without me you cannot know the Father. Don't ask Moses, he doesn't know the Father. Right? Don't ask Elijah, he doesn't know the Father. I am. This revelation of Father was reserved for the Son. And only a Son can explain to you the Father. Right? Are you all with me? Okay? And so, the Sonship, the Father-Son relationship is what gives you boldness. We... If you were a president and you had servants who worked for you, they would say, Your Excellency. But a son will come and say, Teda, me, my Excellency, me. My father. The servant will stand. Excellency. Can I leave, sir? The son will come in, run in, hug the father, even while he's in the meeting. Someone just run in and everyone will say, He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm going to my papa. I'm going to my father. I'm a son. Hey, he's not going to do anything to me. <laughs> he might say, hey, okay, just, yeah, but, but he comes in, someone like you. He must be Boldness. That's why, that's why, that's why if you read, if you, if you read the thing on prayer in Luke chapter 11, he starts out with teaching prayer and then he moves on and then he says, he talks about the friend. The friend who had a friend who came at midnight asking for bread. Right? Okay, his friend came to him, he had no food to give to him, so he thought, I'll go to my friend. And he went to the friend. And when he came to the friend, it was also late. Right? Knock on the door. Right? And then what does he do? And then the, the friend in the house says, Go away. I don't have anything to leave. It's midnight. It's late. I and my children are in the bed. So the friend is the father. And the friend is in the house. And the son's with him in the house. And the children. And they're all lying on the bed. 
And this father, who's a friend to the friend, says, leave. But the friend decides, I won't leave you. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. Right? And he knocks. And then the friend said, just give the guy what he wants. I said, this guy's not going to leave me. So he wakes up, he goes, and Jesus said, most assuredly, I tell you, he, he will not give him because he's his friend, but because he continued. And so he give. And so from there, we've taught prayer and say, Amr, don't give. He that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. He that knocketh, it shall be opened. But then Jesus, then read the next text. Then he says, but if a son <laughs> ask anything of his father, his fa- will his father not? Give him yes and speedily. <laughs> you see, the understanding of, you see, so even in your prayer life, you don't come like a friend. You come like a son. You see, you, the doctrine of Christ helps you to understand things that Jesus says. Because it's in the context of father and son. Only a son would understand that verse. The servant cannot. The servant cannot explain to you the father. Because he, he's not a son. He has a master. Right? Okay? To whomsoever you will, reveal him. <clears throat> now let's move to verse 28. What did the previous verse end off with? No one knows the father except the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him to. Come unto me. Who? The Son. No one knows the Father, but the Son. And you cannot know the Son, unless I know the Father, unless I, the Son, reveal him to you. Come unto me. Who? The son. Why? Because, and when you come unto me, so all of you who are laboring and are heavy laden, but you want rest, come learn from me. Why? Because I have a different way for you. I have something different to show you. Come to me, right? So the word labor means fatigue. Tired. How would you like to work and rest at the same time? Or would you like to work and worry at the same time? While you are working, you are worrying. While you are working, you are anxious. You think, while you are working, you're thinking about tomorrow. In fact, your fear drove you to work. No rest. You know what I'm talking about. Your fear, the fact that you were afraid made you work. Made you work even extra hard. And how would you like, how would you like by the end of the day when you finished working to come home and still be able to think? But a lot of times when we work, we are so tired when we come home that I can't even think because while I was working, I was worrying. 
tired out. Right? Fatigue. Right? It means that that's, that's when the engine in your car is constantly hitting the revs are here by 7 and 8. The car is going 240, but the revs are here by 7 and 8. And by the time you get to Cape Town, the engines cease. You have a breakdown. You burn out. You give up. I can't anymore. I tried everything. I can't anymore. I guess much. Finished. Why? Because you are laboring internally. And there is a way that you can work but still rest. Rest does not mean I'm not working. Rest means I'm very relaxed when I'm working. I'm not stressed out. Right? Are you all with me? Okay? Then it says, heavy laden. That's that weight. No, that's the one I know when, you're, when your eyes start going like this. It drops because you feel. I don't know if you've experienced it. You know, there's a time when you're in the presence of the Lord, then you feel this heat come over your face. You know, and it's just wonderful. But there's a time when you are depressed, then you feel this heat. That's not the presence of the Lord. That's that's that weight that pulls you down. That makes you go to the bed and just lie there. It's Lusford Nooks. I don't want to go anywhere. It's a heavy burden. Heavy laden, right? And it says, and I will give you rest. But do what? Come to me. I want to introduce you to something. The father and the son. Right? Okay? So he will give you rest. There is a way that you can work. Because you need to work. Jesus said, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. You must work, right? Right? So, but there is a way that you can work and still rest at the same time. Right? Okay? In the, in the Garden of Eden, Adam was given work. Till the ground. Work the ground. Verkum. Right? Watch it. God, it protected. And then when he sinned and was in disobedience... The Bible says, by the sweat, by that extra labor, because he stepped out of something, right? So, there is a work, right? And Jesus shows us so many times, even the story again of Peter and the disciples in the storm, within the boat, in the storm. Jesus is sleeping. And what are they doing? They are afraid that the boat is going to sink. Right? And so, they up there taking their, their buckets and whatever, and they're trying to save the boat. Trying to save the business. And so on. Here we go. Let's do whatever we can. And eventually, they couldn't save it. But they were working in, in stress mode. Revs were high. Then eventually, when they couldn't save it, they came to Jesus and said, Don't you care that we are going to lose our lives? 
They woke him up and say, Master, don't you care? Right? And then, and then the Bible says, he, he woke up from his sleep and he arose. He rebuked the wind and the storm ceased. Right? And then they were like shocked. Right? And in another, in another portion of scripture, it says, they marveled and said, this surely must be the son of God. Right? In other words, he worked in rest. There was a storm, but he was sleeping. How can you sleep? Because you're in rest. Rest is there. Right? And so, let's go to the next verse, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. So, what is the yoke? A, a yoke is something that, that, that couples two things together. It couples it together. It also balance the, the word it means to, to pair, to couple. And it also means to balance. In other words, you balance the weight because you have been coupled to something else or someone else. You share the burden in a sense, right? This yoke, right? This yoke is, is when, when you say two things that are yoked together to pull the weight to do the work. Right? Okay? So, but his yoke was his relationship to his father. The father, the son. The father, the son. The father and the son. The work that I do is not me that doing it. Even though I work, yet it is my father that is doing the work. I am working. But while I am working, the father and I are doing the work. There is a yoke that he has. A yoke that he has. And that yoke, right, is he says, take my yoke. Leave that one that you are busy with because it's making, you, it's making you stressed out, fearful, can't sleep at night, tired after the day, go to the blanket, you know, lie under the bed, feel depressed, eyes are heavy, don't know where you're going, having burnout, tired, can't continue, want to give up, type of thing. Say, no, leave that one. Come here. Learn from me. Come here. Take my yoke. What yoke? Learn how to walk with your father. Learn this, this dynamic relationship between father and son. Right? Father and son. It says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Meekness is, is that you are... Somebody is able to tell my simple example for meekness is not weakness. Meekness is you are... Well under the control of somebody else. So meekness means, when Moses said, when Moses wrote the, the book of um, Exodus, and the Bible says, and Moses was the meekest man in the earth. It meant that, that he was a horse that was not wild. But well disciplined. So if God said stand still, stand still. He was under the control. Right? Meekness. Are you all with me? That's why the word meekness is also used in the context of marriage. 
Where it says, let the wives adorn themselves with a meek and quiet spirit. Meekness is strength. Right? The ability to walk in order. You understand what I'm saying? Meekness. So, and lowly in heart. The word lowly means very needy. But not in a poverty way. Beggarly. It is, Father, without you, I can do nothing. That's loneliness of heart. Whatever I do, I do it with you. Father, I will not move unless you tell me to move. Because I know that you are the one that will do the work when I, when I follow what you tell me to do. That's loneliness of heart. It's, a need, it's, a, it's an understanding that I need him. That's why Jesus said, the Son can do nothing except the Father reveal it to him. He does what the Father is doing. He can do nothing without the Father. So, it's not, on the outside, you're not looking like somebody's, you know, and no, 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 you're looking, you're bold, you're strong, you look strong on the, on the outside, people see strength, but internally, the strength, what's making you strong is that you are standing in the power of His might. Right? I say, put on the whole arm of God and pray with all prayer and so on and say, say, stand, be strong in the power of His might. Right? When I'm weak, then I am strong. Right? Lowly. Needy. I know source. I know where it comes from. I know where strength comes from. I know where rest comes from. I know someone carries that burden, that load, that weight, that he carries it. This is why Jesus also encourages you and he says, Come on, uh, he says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So if you took all your cares, your burdens, and you put it on him, then you should have rest. You should have rest, right? If you put it on him, you should, you should be able to sleep. You should be able to sleep, right? So there is a way that you must walk. This relationship is, is what kind of just, it just meets every need that you have, right? And then he says, you shall find rest. So where is the rest? For your So it doesn't mean that you are not physically working. It is saying, the rest that I want to give you is in the soul. Because your soul is on high revs. Stress. You know, that's when the doctor says, your stress levels are very high. It means, it's going between year 7 and 8 here in the... You hear the engine when you're driving 240 years... You know, you know, this car, by the time I get to Cape Town, it's finished. Burnt out car. Engine ceased. You know, that's what we call for you burnout. Ekali Miri. He came to give rest for the soul. So in your relationship with God as Father, you've got to understand what He does and what I do. Don't do the things, don't try to do the things that he must do. Because then you're going to rev the engine. Right? And when you understand what he does, 
and what you are supposed to do, then you better walk in the relationship. So many years ago when I woke up and the, and the Lord said to me, it is the Father who takes responsibility for your needs. Except you become like a child, you shall not enter. Right? You, in other words, the experience. So, so when I heard that and then the Lord said to me, but you must learn to hand over the responsibility. Give it to him. Let him worry. Let him worry what, you, what you're going to eat. Let him worry about what you're going to have and how you're going to get it. Let him, you know, and then let him tell you. And then out of him worrying, what happens is he instructs the son. And when the son gets the instruction, the son does. And when the son moves in the instruction, the father does the work, the miracle. So in the father-son relationship, you've got to understand your responsibility and the responsibility of the father. But what happens is, is that we switch. Imagine your children is worrying about the things that you are supposed to be worrying about. Huh? Imagine your little child coming to you and say, Say, Papa, I'm going to work now because we need to eat tomorrow. <laughs> You understand? You know, imagine your child getting up early and say, Papa, I'm coming home tonight at, at 8 o'clock because I have to work late because we must meet the needs. You know, I'm just trying to make it a little bit light. You know, I'm not, I'm not mocking or anything. I Please don't misunderstand. I'm not mocking. I'm trying to give you the reality. You understand? So what's happening is the father's going to go like, Is there something wrong with this boy? What happens? In the son taking over, he has bound the hands of the father. Because the son doesn't understand the relationship. It's my responsibility. So the disciples were trying to fix the boat. And Jesus was sleeping. He said, no, my father's got me covered. There's no fear in love. And and so when they couldn't do anything anymore, but could only go to the far, in this case to Jesus, then Jesus worked. So while... While they were working in stress mode, Jesus was sleeping. You know what sleep means? Kiverki. When somebody is sleeping, is he working? No. He's sleeping. So while they were in work mode, through stress, Jesus is sleeping. That means Jesus is not moving. Jesus is not doing. Jesus is not answering. I mean, if he's sleeping, he's not talking to you. If he's sleeping, he's not answering you. Because you're still in stress mode. Until you came to a place where you realized you couldn't fix it. So then you ran to him and say, and then he moved. Right? If you don't understand the father-son relationship, right, then you will not know what is his responsibility and what is 
my responsibility as a son. Right? So, you shall find rest for your soul. So, why do we, why do we have, are we heavy laden? Why are we worrying? Why are we this? Because we don't understand the Father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. But do you know the Father that you pray to? Do you know what is His responsibility? Do you know what He cares about? Do you know what He thinks? Because just before He explained, just before He explained and said, this is how you must pray. Our Father who art in heaven. The verse just before that, He said, your Father knows what you have need of before you ask. He is well aware. When you pray to the Father, do you know that the Father already knows what you are about to ask? In, because if you don't, then you are not coming like a son. Come on. Most of the time as parents, you already know what your children need. I mean, you already can see, hey, the, the food is in the fridge. It's Fridge is now almost empty. The cupboards, we need to go shopping. By the time the child comes to you and says, Papa, Daddy, there's nothing in the fridge, you know, there's no more porridge, and so on. And then you say, I know, we're going to go to the shop and go buy some. We're already doing something about it. We know it before you even ask. Thank, but thank you for making us aware. But we are aware of it. Right? You know, this is why, have you ever, have you ever seen how, has it ever happened to you that you asked him now, and then someone gives you a phone call, and say, the Lord spoke to me, I must, I must give you a certain amount of money, or I need to give you my car, or something. You just asked him. That means before you asked, he was already working on it. Think about it. Has that happened to you? Think about it. There's things that God is working on before you even ask. It's true. Right? Rest so verses 13. For my yoke is easy. Right? Okay? This word easy means it's better. There's a better way. Right? And, and then he says, my burden is light. Right? My burden is light. That means the weight that you carry, the heavy laden. There is a burden that God wants to give you, but it's not the burden of worrying about what you eat and drink. The burden is, what is your will, Father? I can't sleep until your will is done. Jesus stayed up late praying because the will of the Father must be done. You understand? There is a burden, but that burden is light. Why? Because He's the one that is carrying it. It's, he's the one giving the life to that burden. Right? So what he is saying, give me your. So Jesus the Son is telling us, the Father has the responsibility of meeting your needs. 
You go and work. Work to your best. Work until you are physically tired. But don't work until you are mentally tired. Because that's when the revs are very high. And the stress levels are where they are not supposed to be. Right? Are you with me? There is a way. Right? So, in the Old Testament, when, when Israel came out of Egypt and they came to a rock, and the Bible says that there was no water for them to drink, and then what did God do? God said, Moses, go to the rock, strike it. And then the Bible says, and I will stand by the rock. And when you strike it, I'll let the water come out. So I will make the water come out. You do what? Strike it. So let me do what I do. And you do what you must do. Right? But if Moses was stressed, God would have been standing here and Moses would have gone. You understand? Why? Because he has taken the role. It is when, when the Bible, when you know, when you, when you pray for somebody, it's not, it's not, there's no, you have no power. But it's God's power. It's God's spirit in you. When you pray, but you must pray. What must you do? Pray. And when you pray, I move. But when you're under the impression it's my power, then you pray. Because you have not developed, we have not developed the faith in Him who's in me. Are you with me? You know, so you've got to learn how to release it to Him. Okay, so go with me to Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 to 32 and I'll finish off now. So I probably won't go in further. I was establishing the doctrine of Christ. The Father-Son relationship. The Father-Son understanding. So, there are some things that are difficult. So for example, what does, for example, bef- before I go there, let me go quickly to the book of Peter. Just want to show you something. So you always get confused in what, what God does and what we do. Right? First um, Peter chapter 2. Show you verse 18. First Peter chapter 2 verse 18. It says, servants, be subject to your masters, okay, employees into employers. With all fear, what must you do? If you work for somebody, what must you do? You must, let's hear it, you must what? Submit. So what is your job? Your work is Submit. Okay? What is the goal of submission? Submission. What is the goal of submission? Submission. To work into you? Submission. Finished. So it's not about whether it's right or wrong. Can you do it? Okay? Read on. Not only to the good and gentle... But also to the forward. 
So some of you have great bosses. Others of you have mean ones. What must you do? What must you do? What must you do? But who carries the burden of the soul? The Father. You know Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Right? In the book of Peter it says, Jesus is the bishop and shepherd of your soul. In other words, he carries it. Are you with me? Okay? Then it says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Right? So, what must you do? Submit. What is your responsibility? Submit. So let God do what you cannot do. So in the relationship, you've got to know what is my part and what's your part. The better you understand that, the better you work with the Father. Okay? Okay, and there's many things we can go into there. Right? But, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Because He's the one that is able to lift burdens. Take, He's the one that must be concerned about you. Okay? Matthew chapter 6. In verses 31. Only if you understand the father-son relationship will you understand what Jesus is saying. Are you all with me? Okay. What did I say? Verse 31. Okay. Here it says, Therefore take no saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink or wherewith you shall be. Close. So what must you do? What did Jesus say? What did the son say? Don't. What must you do? Don't worry. How do you do that? You have to put the burden upon him. You give it in to him. Why does your children not worry about your eating, your drinking, and clothing? Why? Because that is the responsibility of the parent. And when your children worry about it, what do you tell them? (laughs) See, you are just like God. (laughs) He also says, don't worry. And what do you do? You say, don't worry. Mama and Papa sorted it. Right? And what does the child do? Okay. Then he goes and play in the grass up there jumping and he's laughing and enjoying himself and you're like, we know, how are we going to do this? Right? And this kid is having a ball of a time. I remember one time I was flying back from South Africa. Uh, we had just been at the conference in Peter Maritzburg, the Apostolic School of Ministry. And... Um, it was, I think it was one of the places where I started this journey on sonship. And that one evening, 
Sam Solim, Dr. Sam Solim was speaking. And as he was speaking, this thing of sonship. And that night, something opened up for me and I said, I want this thing, sonship, I want it. You know, it was one of those key moments. And I, and I remember being on the plane and, on, and I'm thinking about my kids. And so I'm thinking about, at that stage, um, Ethan wasn't there. So I'm thinking about Nathan. And, I'm, and, and he's a lively boy. And I'm thinking about, he's always standing on his head. And he's always doing somersaults. And we sometimes said, no, this, he must go do gymnastics or something, you know. And my, the wife says, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, and, we just, and I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about how he's in, enjoying himself and, and he's just going crazy and it's always, it's like, just stand on your feet, please. Because if he's either against the wall, he's on his head, he's his handstands and he's doing all funny stuff and, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about that and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to me, only a son can do that. <laughs> Only a son can enjoy himself because the father is worrying about the needs. I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Only children can enjoy themselves like that while the parents worry about the eating, the drinking, the clothing, the studying, and all these things, right? Okay? We're all of us in different places. But this is actually the model, right? And so, in verse 31, what is he saying to you? Don't worry. So, can you learn to put it on him? That's why I, when I opened with prayer, I said, Father, you are faithful. You know what faithful is? Faithful is, is, that, is not talking about his desire. Faithfulness is talking about what he does. You measure faithfulness by action. If you are a faithful servant, then you did what I told you to do. Don't tell me I wanted. Wanted is not the same as doing. Right? Faithfulness is measured by action. So if God is faithful, it means He's a God that acts. Right? And so, let's read the next verse, verse 32. For all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So the word know implies that He's thinking. He has knowledge. But you are also doing something and you are thinking. Don't worry. Thought. Think. Mind. So he's saying, shift it to the Father. Because the Father knows. In other words, what does the word know? It means he's aware. It means he knows what is, what is responsibility. If he knows what you have need of, it means he is well aware and he's doing something about it. Even if you can't see it now, he is at work. Now, if you had an experience like me, when I grew up, I would play tennis. I was a tennis player. So sometimes 
the, the tennis coach would come to me and say, he would say, um, here's the, in, at the end of the month, and they'd give you the invoice. So then he says, it's now, you, you, need, you might need to tell your parents, they need to pay now. You know, it's now three months, you haven't paid yet. Right? So that was a common experience. So now, sometimes at school, then the school would come and say, um, you know, your parents hasn't paid yet. And so on. Then I would go home and say, Daddy, Daddy, you must pay. And he say, yes, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay. And then come next month, the coach or the teachers, they approach me and say, you know, you still haven't paid. You know, we don't know what we're going to do. So then I come. So is my father, was my father faithful in that? Okay? Right? At that point in time, we had the money. I understand if you're struggling, you don't have the money. It's a different story. But at that time, we had the money. He was just very negligent to do it. Right? So, so now, and so now, when we had to, when we had to go on tours, I couldn't ask for the money. So I had to go in, look for donations. Right? But the actual way that the father and son relationship works is that the father takes care of those needs. Why does he take care of your needs? So that you can focus on his will. That is the very reason. You say, Jesus said, my meat, my food, my concentration is on his will. He, when I do his will, he focuses on what I need to do his will. And on my daily needs. It's just, it's just a given. That's just how it works. It works. The tough part is handing it over to him. Right? Okay? So, I'm not going to go on here. I want to tell you that there is, in the love of the Father... There is no fear. There is no fear. You are told by Jesus, we are told by Jesus, we are not to worry. And you know what Jesus said? He said, by worrying, you cannot add one cubit to your stature. In other words, stature there, and I need to make a correction because last week I said stature was material things. Stature is not material things. It has to do with your maturity. Right? And Jesus says, by worrying, you are not maturing. You are wasting your time. Rather, get into the habit of practicing, speaking. Father, you know what I need before I ask. Then, Lying on the bed and thinking about it the whole time. That's what I did. Come down, street house building, down there at the bottom. Fear. Stomach. I want to throw up. That's how bad fear is on me. Never felt it like that before. At that moment, I didn't, I didn't start worrying. I didn't accept it. I didn't agree with it. I started saying, Father, you know what I have need of before. And while I'm saying it, while I'm praying it, I'm still feeling this thing. 
And I'm saying and I'm saying I do it for like 10 minutes. Then it leaves me. Then it leaves me. Then two hours later, yeah, it's back on me. And then I go again. Father, you know what I need before I even ask. You know what I need before I even ask. And then I quote all the scriptures related to, I am a son, you are my father. You take care of my needs. And then, all of a sudden, and then it leaves me. And then the worst was when you went to the building, because while they are working, it's just decort and dicort, and it's more expensive than you originally thought. And so you go on, it's like, <sighs> it's just going through that the whole process, and then you go down, and you're like back there where you were, and then you go, but Father, I know, you led me here. I am in your world. What you did, you sent me here. I told you, I am not coming here unless you send me here. And I know, you sent me here. And you are the one that must take responsibility for these needs. Because I didn't come here. I told you, I won't come here. I spoke like that to my father. I said, I told you, I will not come here unless you confirm that I must be here. And if you do not confirm, I'm standing twister. I will not move. You are the one that sent me here. Right? And so when people said, no, we can't give anymore, I said, Father, I'm not going to ask people because you sent me here. You must pay the bill. I, it's your responsibility. Nobody sent me here. Nobody. I didn't ask anybody. I asked them and they said, no, we believe it's the Lord. But I didn't take that. I said, you must talk to me myself. I want to hear for myself because as dinga dinga rak, now will look for you say, Jay, it may You brought me here. Right? And that's a confidence to speak like it. I am not disrespectful to my father. I am standing in my relationship. You sent me here. Your word says that wherever you sent me, you are the one that takes care of the things. You are the one who said that to me. I will stand here. You see, you cannot understand this relationship unless you understand it from the son dynamic. The father and the son dynamic. Either the boldness and the confidence that you have to talk. I went this way because you sent me here. I am where you want me to. I am where you are. You let me here and I am here with you. You understand the father-son relationship. Right? Let's stand. Let's stand. I know we're going through many challenges. I'll tell you truly the father is, I was sitting between two, should I give you the doctrine of Christ or should I just come today and tell you all my testimonies? Just tell you one after each other how the father came through. Right? Maybe we're still going to do that. Right? Maybe we're still going to do that. Tell you one after each other how this thing works. It works. It works. It works. The Father is faithful. Right? There's no way He can fail. If He told you He's going to do something, you leave Him to do it. Right? If God said, I will save your children, then you leave Him. Don't interfere. Don't try and save your children. Just be nice to your children. Because He said, I will save them. Right? So let him do what he must do. Let him do his side. If you read on in the scripture, it says, it says that your father clothes. God clothes the grass. So what is God's work? To clothe, to add. He said, you seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. What do we do? We add. What do you do? Seek the kingdom and my righteousness. 
seek the way, right? It is understand what is God's work and understand what is your work. So every time you think about, oh, my, my son is, is not back home and look where he is and so on. Then you go and say, Father, you said to me by your word, you prophesied to me and said, my children shall be saved and all of them shall serve the Lord. That's your word that you gave me. I refuse to try and save them because I cannot, but you can. What is with man impossible with God? It is possible. Right? Let God do what He must do. And you do what you must do. Your work is stand. Your work is pray and remind and and declare to Him and say, You said it to me. You said favor. Where is it? You said favor. You are the God that said it to me. I believe it was you. Where are you? Where are you? I am your son. I come to you not like a friend. Abraham may have been your friend. But I am your son. And you are my father. Amen. Amen. Right. We're going to have communion. I want you just to come forward. And as you take communion. Just talk to your father. Talk to your father. Just talk to him. Just speak. And tell him what you feel. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Listen to that. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. The Father loves you. There is no fear in love. He demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he did not die for a righteous man. He died for sinners. For those who were without strength. He demonstrated his love. So far that he gave his very life. The father loves you. He will not fail you. He cannot fail you. He cannot. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. Jesus said, He said, If you are evil, but you know how to give good things to your children, how much more your father? He's better than your father. And he's not even evil, he's good. He's good. He's good. Just take a few minutes and talk to Him. Father, we just thank You. Our Father, we thank You for Your love towards us. Uh, The Spirit in us, Christ, Abba Father, doesn't cry Jehovah, doesn't cry 
El Elohim. The spirit that you gave me says, Father, Father, oh Father. In that name, Father, is everything I need. Father, you protect me. You defend me. You watch over me. You are aware of me. I am worth more than the birds of the air. We talk to you, Father. Our Father. You love us. You have loved us with an everlasting love. You are in me and I am in you. And I am in the Son and the Son is in me. And we are in each other. You can never leave me nor forsake me. We want to hand over our burdens to you. We want to stop worrying about our children and come into that rest. We want to stop worrying about those finances and come into our rest. Your love brings me to rest, O Lord. Oh, you're a good Father. You are perfect in all your ways. I bless you. We bless you. We give glory. We declare your reputation. You're the miracle worker. Father, you create. You make water come out of a rock, Father. You do the impossible. You are supernatural. You are omnipotent, Father. You are omnipresent and all-knowing and all-powerful, God able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or even ask. Father, you care about us. You watch over us. The the Bible says "Though, though Israel slumbers, yet you do not slumber no sleep what is man that you are mindful of him the son of man that you would visit him your thoughts are always towards us we are the apple of your eye we are your single focus you cannot fail us it's not in your nature to fail you will never fail. We release it to you. We release it. That which we are worrying about, we release it to you. It's your work. 
It's your work. It's your responsibility. So we just bless you. Thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that has provided us access to the Father by one Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, drive this mind into us. Drive it into us. That ever ever we lift up our voices, that we would move away from God to Father. Knowing that our Father is God, Almighty. I pray that we would know that He is watching over us. We are better than the birds. And He will clothe us with what we need. And so we thank You for this as we partake Because of what the Son did for us. We bless you. You may partake. Father, I pray that we'll truly enter into that rest. The Sabbath rest. The place where we don't work but where you work and are still meeting all our needs physically, emotionally. Oh, I pray that you would quiet us in our soul. Bring our soul to a place of quiet where our minds can leave us alone at night time because my mind is quiet. In a still place. There where there is silence. But we hear the voice. The still small voice of the Father. You are a good Father. Bring us into this rest. Bring us into this rest. Let us see your hand at work. In the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. Thank you for the son that you sent. That could introduce us. Into this relationship. That could bring this knowledge to us. Be the pattern and the model. So we bless you. And we glorify you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.